0: Monday the 7th of October 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Rob Tasker, a visual effects supervisor in film and television, and by Tatjana Latinovich, the chair of the Icelandic Women's Rights Association and of the Immigration Council. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Thanks for having you. me um today is also the day we record the second monthly the week in iceland at the library program um where a small audience will discuss the issues brought up in this very show which does put the pressure on us to be extra interesting i'm afraid um i will give more details on that project at the end of this program but first here's the news Uh, The report into Iceland's membership of the EEA agreement was released last week, drawing a very positive picture of Iceland's relationship with Europe. Um, So positive, in fact, that one of the MPs who proposed it wonders where all the negative stuff in the report was. Uh, The religious makeup of Iceland continues to change, with the national church getting smaller, while other faith groups and none um, grow. Over 10 billion kronor has probably been lost in cybercrime in Iceland, a senior police chief warns, saying that companies and individuals are embarrassed to report when they are victims of online crime. A member of staff at the president's office has been formally cautioned over sexual harassment in the workplace. Sorpa's over budget composting and gas waste management centre is now also going to be opening very late. Um, it has been announced during the political storm that continues to engulf the public owned company. And Reykjavik International Film Festival finished yesterday, making this the perfect time to chat a little bit about how it went this year. So, where would you like to begin?
1: Should we start just from the beginning with the report in Iceland's membership of the EEA agre- agreement? Sure. Which uh, I must admit I haven't read, but <laughs> this has never stopped yeah. me from having an opinion. <laughs> so, but my opinion on that is: I think that uh, well, it is positive. I think it's also very important to to analyze and to have data and to and to know what we are really talking about when we talk about agreements as important. As this one is so I, I applaud that the report has been uh, written and published and also think am expecting the Parliament and, and everybody else to really familiarize themselves with the report and and have a productive discussion about the about it I heard, I just saw recently that the, that the members of another uh, party, in, in the in the parliament uh, are asking for another report to be written, and uh, I'm always worried, as most of us are, about the uh, populism and, and rise of that. So we see what is happening in some other countries in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that it, it's a good thing. Yeah, that I mean, we I, have the I, report. I agree.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, no country should go into an agreement and just never revise or re- relook at what's going on. Evaluate. Yeah, it. you should always mm-hmm. evaluate. You know, whether it's five, ten whatever years mm. um you know see if there's ways to improve or if it's still necessary and and kind of go from there and i think that's what came out of this report is is they're looking at the pros and cons and seeing if if it's something iceland should can continue to be a part of
0: um uh, what's his name oliver islifson um said that there weren't any cons in the report <laughs> mm. yeah um in in his opinion either that's because the eea agreement is perfect or in his opinion, because it was just not covered. Uh he named a couple of examples. Obviously this infamous third energy package debate that went on all summer long. Um was one of the things that he pointed out as being possible cause for concern. Um and also the the meat thing, um, when Europe said we have to not impose that meat must be frozen when it's imported uh-huh. because it's free trade and whatever. Um but I think the, the report did come up with a lot more pros yeah. anyway. I mean,
2: yeah. yeah, and it's especially, you know, you have to work with other countries, obviously for trade reasons and things like that. And I think with Iceland having a smaller population, it's even more important that they establish these good relationships uh, within, you know, your Euro- European uh, economic area and, and things like that. Mm. So I think, you know, as I said, even if there were any really strong cons that came out of it, which it didn't sound like there was... Uh, the pros just outweigh it drastically. So I think that's, that's well, a good it, thing. One yeah. of the
0: sentences or phrases from the report that got me most was, without joining the European Union, it's impossible, they said, to have this good, this close of a working relationship with Europe um, and that just a, a, a series of bilateral agreements could never replace it, I is what see. the report said.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can imagine that. It just encompasses so much that mm-hmm. otherwise would we'll have had to be done differently and and with the infrastructure in Iceland being small as it is because it's a small country I think it must be a positive thing
0: Mm. What about the scope for change though? Because you said the pros and cons and we need to evaluate our relationship with Europe but the EEA agreement is between all of the European Union plus Norway, Liechtenstein and Mm -hmm. Iceland Mm -hmm. Could Iceland do anything to change it?
2: Or is it just I hate to use the expression being a British (laughs) person but in or out uh, yeah, I mean, I think Iceland does have a strong, a strong voice within Europe. Um, I mean, not only historically have they been central to a lot of, you know, North America and, and Europe, and this obviously focuses on Europe, uh, but Iceland has historically had a stronger voice uh, than a lot of people might think for a country of its size. So I, I think that they do, they do bring a lot to the table in terms of European economics and, and trade agreements and things like that, and and people are listening when. The government and the people here do say things and, and ask for various changes or, or, or what have you. Hmm.
1: I agree. I think that you're better heard when you're within the group than when you're outside of the group. And I think that uh, that what Iceland should be focusing on: raising voice, raising issues. Raising and I think that th- that's what we are doing. That's what our uh, administration and government is is doing.
2: Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, one thing that I think Iceland. You know, it's, as I said, a small country but a powerful voice isn't in terms of, like, women's rights and, and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, they're one of the forefronts in, in terms of the world change on, the, on that front. So I think, you know, as I said earlier, you know, even though it's a small country, they do have a big impact on, on making changes. I kind of feel
0: like Iceland has an unspoken policy of really focusing on a handful of issues because of its small size and getting great results from it, like... Like gender equality
1: where we can when we have something to contribute, I definitely think so, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: great,
0: okay, um, should we maybe move on to a different topic
2: yeah one one thing that i found was really interesting is um you know the the interest rates are are changing in Iceland so drastically over the past little bit, uh and I was going over the numbers, you know, I follow interest rates a lot because it it affects not only you know lower class being able to afford housing and things like that, which is a big thing in Iceland. Uh, but also you know people with a bit more money and investing and things like that but the one thing i noticed is you know the interest rate being at what 3.25 percent now is the lowest that it's been for the past 10 20 years Hmm. um which can be a sign for you know perhaps things are going to get a little bit harder as as time goes on and you know there's been a lot of layoffs like recently in iceland Hmm. Um, but i think in terms of first-time home buyers or or things like that it, it might be getting a little bit more affordable for them to to sort of buy some property and get some equity in in their life, rather than, as I said, it's very difficult for people to buy their first home. So maybe this is going to open the door for for a lot of younger people. Hmm. I'm sure that's the idea, and also businesses too, being able to invest more freely, yeah, and and borrow bo- money, yeah, borrow cheaper rates, and uh, stimulates
0: like the economy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. My understand, I don't, I'm not an economist, but my understanding of it is that Iceland has traditionally had quite high interest rates because yes. it's. Had to to keep inflation under control, mm-hmm. and we're in a kind of more luxurious situation now that inflation is
2: not too bad, and so they can do this to stimulate the
0: economy. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. You know, interest rates going from you know what was it eighteen percent, kind of around the crash, or or even higher, you know, Uh down to to three point two five percent. I mean, it's a it's a big change, and a lot of people remember the hard times, and and they're, they're coming into it now, and. Co- economy always goes up and down and I guess this is just sort of a little bit of a, a lull uh, not only here but you know worldwide there's a lot of uh, turbulence but I think Iceland's in a really good position this time around for dealing with any of these you know layoffs or while we're collapsing and, and tourism declining slightly and things like that mm. so yeah I'm
0: uh, there this, the economy is shrinking very slightly, isn't it? It is, but it doesn't seem there's no panic this time around.
1: No, I think so. I think this is a difference from ten years ago. So there, there is no panic. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. we have been hit now this, this year with, with layoffs, with bankruptcy of OAO and what have you. And um, but perhaps this is a uh, maybe a time to gives us time and space to so to look at it how we can achieve like more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, development in, in the biggest industries around uh, in in Iceland, like tourism. So mm. I'm not too uh, pessimistic about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, yeah, people getting a higher quality, more personalised experience, they are spending more money yeah. And, yeah. and staying mm-hmm. a bit longer. As we've mm-hmm. actually said on this programme a few times now, it's, mm-hmm. it's not all doom and gloom.
1: No, no, I don't think so. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, the interest rate story was... One of the bigger ones last week. I didn't include it in the program because sometimes it's seen as
2: boring. Yeah, <laughs> but but as you say, it's 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 actually quite historic at the moment. Yeah, that it's gone yeah. down so low. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, a lot of young people that I know, especially that you know, they want to to buy an apartment or they want to buy a house, and they always feel that it's out of reach. So as the, the opportunity and the loan cost for them lowers, it, it's becoming something that is obtainable. Mm-hmm. And it makes them feel good, you know, what it's stimulating, as you said, the economy, and and businesses can spend a bit more because they're borrowing at a cheaper rate and things like that. So I think, you know, it's it's a good move by the bank to do to do this at this time, and and they're keeping an eye on things to make sure that, you know, things don't go like it was before, and Iceland's in a way better position than it was.
1: We should take stock in a few months' time to see whether yeah. all of these apartments <laughs> yeah. that are being built in, in Reykjavik at least are being sold or not, because if I understand correctly, there's not much going on right now. In terms of sales, yeah, no, but yeah. I get
0: that it, even that helps first-time buyers, doesn't yes. it? If they, it the, does. Mm-hmm. The, the heat is off the market a little mm-hmm. bit.
1: Well, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah.
0: Of course, just in closing on that point, there's still quite a high interest rate compared to the countries around us.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know I'm from Canada, so the interest rates there are, are considerably lower than here in terms of mortgages and and things like that. But you know it's very difficult to compare. Country to country, I find um, just because you know wages are sort of set in line more or less with the cost of living, you know, in each country, and so if you say you know percentage here is is this, and then percentage somewhere else is you know whatever it is, um, it's it's sort of an apples to oranges scenario. Um, as long as you know people here the cost of living is good and people can support themselves, I think Iceland can afford to have a slightly higher interest rate than surrounding countries um but again it has to reflect the cost of living and and make sure you're not pricing out all of these these either first-time buyers or people who who are trying to invest their money and and grow their equity in any way they can amen speaking of should we talk about religion
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: oh that was smooth very smooth (laughs) so yeah i mean it's it's not a new or news. Sorry, it's not a new or particularly surprising story because it's been going on for a while now. But mm-hmm. the latest figures do suggest that the, the national church has decreased in size again. Nine hundred and eighty-eight people um, between the first of December and the first of October, um, and that's being balanced against more people in in, in other organisations and none as well. The number of people that are not in a religious organisation has gone up as well. Mm-hmm. Why is this important?
1: I think it is important because it shows that, um, uh, that people do have a choice. Luckily, we live in a country where people do have a choice, which you know, religious affiliation to choose or none. And I remember 25 years ago when I moved here, I think I was automatically registered in the Church of Iceland without anyone asking me. About it, I didn't even know about it. So at that time, all immigrants were just registered automatically. Mm-hmm. There, had to go to Fjellskra to get myself unregistered from there. And um, so I think that that changes. I also think that uh, it shows the um, diversity uh, within the um, Icelanders proper, if you will, you know, people born and raised and with their roots in Iceland, that, that uh, they also have a choice to. To, to choose which you know church they want to belong to, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think it's nothing that the uh, Church of Iceland should be afraid of, and I don't think they are. I think that the bishop said that you know they, they're not afraid of that. It's just you know it's good to have a choice, but it's also interesting that like a Catholic Church probably has more um, has more uh, uh, people joining. That three point
0: four three percent more people. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's
1: probably you know that shows shows you maybe the you know the, the, the you know the, the it's probably accounted to to people moving to country to Iceland mm-hmm. uh, from from uh, Catholic countries. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think, I think that's so. the
2: case with all of the other groups, though, is it? No, and yeah. and I I don't think. You know, when people are are deregistering from from any of these religious organizations, I don't think it's necessarily them denouncing religion. No. But I I think they're looking at, at the money that goes from their registration to whatever organization, you know, goes to the church. And they're thinking, you know, what do we want in terms of my tax money or the money that's because I'm part of it? Do I want that to go to the church or should that go to things like schools and hospitals and other things that maybe to them might be sort of a better use of the money that's that's allocated because of their registration. Mm. So I think it's it's a little bit of that as well, where it's not people giving up on religion, but more thinking about how their contribution to the society and, and the country that they live in, how that can be used in, in the best way that they feel.
1: Because bottom line, it is about taxes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, who gets the money. Because
2: mm. 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 everybody
0: <laughs> has a set amount of, of tax money that goes to their... Yeah their own personal religious organisation mm. that they're in... Or none. Or none, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's none, it just goes straight to... The,
1: I think it was university, wasn't it? It's, I uh, it, changed. it changed. It, that yeah. has changed, probably, yeah. It goes yeah. to the treasury. Mm-hmm. Treasury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Which, as you say, nominally at least, goes on to schools and hospitals and things like yeah. yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's the idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and administration costs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, religious... Organizations, they all have their charity work and they're all doing good in society on, on their own terms. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully that won't be pulled back on. Obviously, Hjörpostar Kirkina, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a Church of Iceland charity.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: But of course, you could donate to them without being a member of the yeah.
1: church. Yeah, voluntarily. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it. Just sort of to to look at this, what does this mean? Are we saying it's not about a changing makeup of Icelandic society as much as it is people just thinking
1: differently? Well, part of it it is changing makeup because you have you have uh, people immigrants moving here, so so and that that is changing. That's understandable. I would say that this sort of contributes to the the rise of some other uh, religious groups. But I think it's change, change, if, change in thinking. I think that that's people. You know, we, we talk more about choice today than we used to do it. Like 50, 100 years ago, you were sort of born into family, born into religion, mm-hmm. apparently born into political party in this country. So, <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. we see we see that. You see that we're talking about political party. You see also more, like fluctuations in in political parties. I think it's because people know and think that they have a choice today
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and,
1: and talk more about it.
2: Mm. I agree with that. You know, I, I grew up in, in a Catholic family and went to a Catholic school and elementary school and, you know, church every week was a thing. And, and as you grow up, it, you sort of start thinking on your own. You're thinking, you know, not necessarily, you know, as I said, leaving religion, but being more open to to ideas that are not, as you said, you know, born into into your family. And, and as you said, too, like politics is a big thing as well, is when I remember when I got the ability to vote for the first time, it was like, oh, well, what do my parents vote for? Um, and then, you, you know, you grow up and the Internet has provided this great voice for everyone to get information on their own rather than in their small circles. Uh, and people are just, yeah, they're finding a little bit more on what they want, what they want with their money, what they want with their, their views and values and, mm. and making independent choices the internet true yeah it, we have more open access to information than ever before mm-hmm.
0: of course the National Church of Iceland has got more infrastructure than any other religious organisation it's got hundreds of churches that it has to keep up um, is yeah. there a danger in any way that it could not be able to afford to maintain its its many many buildings in the future and then the government might have to step in anyway
1: uh, yeah Yeah. I, mean- I guess <laughs> I think it goes back to some agreement that church and the government did you know Back, like, I don't know, fifteen hundred. I, I really don't know, <laughs> but I think it, it goes to some at, at least. That is, what I, I don't follow this very much. But I think it it has to do with some agreements on on property mm-hmm. that were done between the government and the Church of Iceland many years ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't th- have to I don't,
1: renegotiate.
2: I don't think places like you know various churches or religious organizations are, especially you know the worldwide major ones, are in any danger in the next uh, while. You know, there's there's, there's always going to be you know funding from either the people or government helping helping these these uh these religions succeed and sort of stay a, a part of society so i don't think there's i don't think there's going to be a closing down of churches uh, at least i don't see it in my lifetime
1: but hopefully it also will keep you know church people uh, uh Clergy and everyone on their toes and 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 make them sort of follow the the times, mm-hmm. that it, and I think that this is what the Church of Iceland does. Yeah, they really do compared to some other. They have been churches that I know, like yeah. Orthodox Church in Serbia, <laughs> and Catholic in Croatia, and I think that they they do, you know, mm. they they are part of society. So that that's a good thing. I think that will it will develop. The these organizations will also then hopefully develop together with the society.
0: Then I think regardless of religious affiliation and how people feel inside, most people like the churches themselves and, and want them to yeah. remain accessible. And
1: I think so. Mm, nice. I believe they are, yeah, at yeah. least here in this country. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I know people who are not, they don't identify as being a religious person, but then when they have a child, they're like, oh, this kid has to get baptized in this church and you know they're very involved in in that process, mm-hmm. um, and you know a little bit from tradition, but also because I think uh, even though they don't necessarily identify, you know they they do believe in in maybe not one particular type of religion, but just sort of an overall value that I think a lot of religions share a commonality mm-hmm. of it.
1: Gives people a sense of belonging, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, should we uh, talk about film
0: and the film festival, maybe?
2: Yeah, you know, Riff just ended over, over the weekend. Um, and uh, for me, I'm a little bit closer to that than some of the other topics. I worked on, on the opening film, and I was a part of their talent lab. But uh, I mean, there were some, some great pictures coming out. Um, the opening film was this film, End of Sentence, by an Icelandic director, uh, Alfa, Alfa Um And it had some, some big actors in it, and it was his first feature film that has that done really well uh, in Edinburgh, and it, it was received very well in, in Iceland here. So it was, you know, it was a good, good thing. Mm-hmm.
1: I went and saw on Friday uh, the Macedonian film Talk About Religion. Uh, it's uh, The God Exists. Her name is Petrunia. So that, uh, I, I come from former Yugoslavia, Macedonia was part of it. So, so I sort of uh, know. And it was a great, great uh, piece, really. And mm-hmm. I think it has been nominated for awards mm-hmm. and stuff. So it was a very nice break from this Hollywood films that we we watch you know i I think that's constantly that's That's really nice that's
2: one of the great things that i really love about riff you know i i come from toronto and and there's a huge film festival there uh, and i've worked on these big blockbusters but riff really showcases independent films and and experimental films and and things like that you know i went to uh, one night where it was uh, a film festival that's that's based around short films in the arctic so you have to Mm-hmm. You know, make these horror films, and you have to live in this Arctic and sub-Arctic region in order to submit. Um, but Riff, it really allows people to to not be sort of shut out because they don't have this big budget or they don't have these big stars. Is you know, they have these films and they're showcasing them and and allowing these independent filmmakers to have a, a platform to show show what they can do. And, and Iceland, as well as many of the countries that that were represented in the festival, uh, there's so so much talent that's that's out there that mm-hmm. you know Iceland provides the the platform for them yeah. to showcase.
0: Do you, how do you feel that the festival is progressing year from year? Is it getting bigger? Is it getting more prominent? Has it found its niche
2: already? Because it's been going for a long time. Yeah. No. I think every. I you know this is the fourth year that I've I've gone, and I think every year it gets bigger, and and they're narrowing down exactly what what they want to represent themselves as. Um, and you know, there's always big stars that come and, and and things like that. But as as I said, you know, it's. It's a good way to showcase filmmakers, and I think there was over 60 countries involved in terms of submitting films, um, but also more and more bring Iceland to the forefront in terms of production and what can come out of this country. Mm. You know, Whether it be film or music, I mean, Iceland's well known for a lot of music that's super popular around the world, uh, and it's a very famous place to, to film because of the locations. But now there's more and more directors and, and the crew and, and musicians and, and stuff like that that are working in scoring films that are that are really being noticed now in, in the international world. And Riff has got something to do with that, probably. I
1: think so, probably. yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what about as a draw for guests? Is it, is it a tourist attraction, people coming specifically for Riff? Because obviously Iceland Airwaves has got a similar sort of
2: role in the music scene, mm-hmm.
0: and, and that certainly brings people in, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, as, as I said, you know, I was lucky to be a part of the Talent Lab and, and do a class on visual effects for the participants in that. And what that is, is they take it's about 40 people who have, have either developing their first feature film or they have an interest in doing that. Uh, and I didn't meet anyone that was part of that, that was from Iceland. You know, it's all, well, majority of people are international filmmakers that are coming here to learn from, from the people in Iceland and to network from... You know, both international guests as well as Icelandic guests, but a large portion of of the audience, I think, is is coming from abroad and and coming to Iceland. You know, maybe it's a two-part thing where they come for the festival, but they also wanted to come because of you know Iceland and the nature. Mm. And but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, there's a there's a huge number of international guests that go to go to RIFF. Is this uh, your first time?
1: No, I try to go every every year. Every year yeah. Uh, yeah, I I wish I could go to more to see see more, but mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I think it's just nice. It just really gives us nice window into what's going on in cinematography and and shows different mm-hmm. films that we would normally see. So I love it. I really yeah. like it. I mean,
0: Bioparadise mm-hmm. does a great job of bringing. They do great job. Yeah. All sorts of things in all year round, but uh, yeah. Rove is definitely a highlight, isn't it? Yeah, so it is. Just yeah. a, a treat.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is a treat, really. You know, as I said, it, sometimes I think it's too much. You know, if you're working, you have to really want to like three o'clock movie on on Friday. Left work early to to get to see that film. Yeah, didn't you know? Well, that's, that's I'm sorry. Maybe that's but, yeah. part of the
2: international thing. You know, they yeah. have they have films all through the day and into mm-hmm. the night, uh, and people who live here might be working and they can't attend, yeah. like, attend these. But, but
1: there's several showings, yeah. so, you know, you, so you, can, you can... But, uh,
2: yeah. but you, if, there, if there wasn't that international, you know, visitor audience, then uh, I don't think they would have as many no. daytime screenings no, as they exactly. do. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, I mean, it's definitely a good sign and it, it really helps pr- promote Iceland as sort of this cultural hub, which it's known for. And it's just, this is the film section of that hub, much like Airwaves is is for the yeah. music scene. So it's...
1: And beer paradise is a nice venue. You really yeah. get nostalgic <laughs> about the old days when you go there. So mm. it's nice. It was mm. lovely
0: they could save it when it was it rugby or whatever was there before. Rugby in, right. Yeah, rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> and then they kept it as a cinema, which is great. Mm. What's uh, very quickly because we are running out of time. Um, what's the kind of the balance of of power, if you will, between showings and and just getting people in to see the films and the the awards that are handed out here? Because I. I, I Am I right in saying that the awards are less prominent at Riff than they are perhaps in some other festivals?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I was at the the closing ceremony, and it's not an open to the public sort of thing, much like a lot of other festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you know, places like, as I said, Toronto International Film Festival is is one of the top festivals, uh, but it didn't get there overnight, and I think that's the direction that Riff is going towards, where they're their awards and and the various awards like the, the green puffin they did this year for environmental uh, award these things are, are getting more and more weight to the actual award so that the filmmakers who are receiving these um, they're you know being noticed more and more on on a wider scale because of it so uh, I don't think it's you know as I said top five festival yet but I think they're they're on a, a good track to to be one of the top players in the future
0: great. Well, unless there's anything else to add, I think that's a nice note to finish it on. Um, there has been plenty to talk about today, um, but we are out of time. Do look out for the special broadcast tomorrow, called The Week in Iceland at the Library, in which a small audience will discuss the issues raised in this very show. Um, if you would like to take part now or next month, we will, and you will be able to get to the Kringlan Library uh, for 5pm, either today or Monday the 4th of November, then registration is open through the English language pages of the Reykjavik City Library website, and also through our Facebook page. The Week in Iceland at the Library will be on rúf.is forward slash English, Rúf English on Facebook, on the Roof app and as a podcast, including on Spotify tomorrow, the 8th of October. The Week in Iceland, meanwhile, will be back in its usual spot next week. A massive thank you to my guests, Rob Tasker and Tatiana Latinović, and thanks also to Lydia Kretasdottir for running the studio. As ever, we end on the number one song on the Tour chart, and this week that is Birgir Stedt with his song Letting Go. Bye for now.
3: I used to stay up late and wonder how I live without you, without you. Too much of this, not enough of that, everything's so wrong about me. I used to wait